It's almost like we've been to church today. Oh, just put that anywhere. Well, I'm glad you guys are with us today, and we are singing Hosanna. Isn't that amazing on this Palm Sunday? As I get into uh, the message today, just to, before I do, a couple of things. Remind you about uh, camp and VBS. Those things are coming up. Uh, if you have a kid or a teen, a child or a teen who wants to go to camp, um, we can help you out there. But uh, we are excited about that camp season. Vacation Bible School. Um, we do have a... Uh, sign up already online so if you have a somebody or have a friend a child that wants to sign up for that then please get started with that uh, last thing i want to talk about is easter easter is big deal around here it's going to be next sunday right very excited about that three events to remember friday we're going to do a good friday service at noon on friday um, we're trying to make it a time that was accessible to people as a lunch break, I guess, um, if you have time to do that, for, uh, then would be awesome. On Saturday, we're going to have the Easter egg hunt. starts at 1 o'clock. Uh, if you have not signed up, I know that uh, we've been trying to figure out the best way to sign up. We might have some sign-up sheets somewhere, but I know for sure we have what we call the sign-up genius. It's an online thing. Um, some, sometimes it feels like you have to be a genius to sign up there. But... Uh, it helps us know how to plan. So one way or the other, or maybe just let somebody know if you're going to be here. We'll try to get you on the list. Um, helps us plan on who can be where. We've, we have posted the sign-up genius. I think it went out on the email and, and on um, our social media. And then Sunday. Sunday, the big day. Celebrate Jesus being resurrected. It's going to be awesome. And looking forward to that. Um, very much looking forward to that. For the first time ever in my pastoral ministry, we're going to be doing something new. So maybe you guys can be here for that and see what that is. But I will say that we are, um, it's amazing that we are part of a multi-ethnic congregation. And uh, it will ha definitely have something to do with that. So multicultural, it's going to be awesome. And then um, wanted to help you out with some tools to get people to come to church on Easter Sunday. Any Sunday, in fact, but uh, especially on Easter Sunday. You guys, it's been a little while since I've talked about these uh, You're Invited cards. We have some business cards. They're out in the lobby. Um, and on your way out today, I would say stop by and grab some. These You're Invited cards are just on the front. It says You're Invited. It has the church's information, service time, the address, the phone number, the church logo, all that's on there. So it's a great way when you're talking to somebody to say, if you be, if begin the conversation about church or if they start to whatever, you can say, oh, by the way, would you like to go to church? I have a card right here. It has all the information on it. Because sometimes it's awkward. Like, and they're like, oh, well, where is it? Or what time is it? Or what? It's all right there. Um, it's a pretty neat little tool that you can use to get people to come to church. So uh, anyway, remember all of that. A lot of things. Big week. Big, big week. And uh, we want to make sure that we do everything well so all right story time i like starting with a story did you ever notice that i can still remember the cold december morning that Cerise and i loaded up into our brand new ford expedition um we were we had just purchased this ford expedition in fact probably a couple of months before uh one of the worst 
ice and snowstorms to come through St. Louis in years, decades, they said. It's one of the worst ones that they had seen. But on this day, and we were glad we had bought this expedition. In fact, it was my very first four-wheel drive vehicle, four by four. I'd always had just regular, but this time I was like, I'm getting that four-wheel drive. And we got it. And I was so thankful on this day that we had this four-wheel drive because we got out and there wasn't another person on the road but us. Everybody else was probably smarter, but also they weren't all going to have a baby like us. <laughs> so we were on our way to have Morgan. It was on December 1st in 2006. We loaded up in that Ford Expedition, cold, icy day. But uh, the good news for us is that we knew exactly when and where because Teresa had, had to have a scheduled C-section. Morgan was breached. They couldn't get her to turn. And they said the safest thing was to do that with Morgan. So we loaded up. We're on our way. Seriously, nobody else was on the road. Driving to St. Joseph's Hospital in St. Louis. And uh, when we, we got there and it was an unusual situation, so I couldn't, they, they were scared that if I watched the, all of what they were doing when they were, you know, doing the cutting and stuff, that I wouldn't make it. Um, the, <laughs> They said, uh, we don't usually let fathers watch this. And I was like, it's fine. I'm fine. We'll be good. Um, so actually, and they let me watch part of it. I got it on video, by the way, if you ever want to. We won't show that publicly, but uh, I got it on video. And uh, they did let me get part of it on there. But I'll never forget. They, they got Morgan. They pulled her out. They got her all cleaned up. And they said to me, congratulations. Good news. You have a healthy baby girl. And I was like, prove it. Let me see. Ten fingers, ten toes. And I, I remember coming in. I was, uh, I told Teresa, I've heard of all these hospital mix-ups and, you know, things like that. And I had a Sharpie marker. No joke. I had a Sharpie with me. And I was like, I'm going to write on that baby if I have to because, you know, she comes from good stock. We're going to make sure that we. <laughs> but as soon as I saw her, there would never be a mistake about who that little red-headed, screaming little girl was. Also, she, because she was breached, her body was like, you know, folded in half. It was a strange thing. But uh, I, I would never forget. But, you know, it's interesting. That's what I want to talk about today. Good news. The announcement of good news can change everything, right? Like, it, it can change everything. This announcement of good news changed me from just a guy to a dad. You know, this announcement of good news made me just another regular person to somebody who was now responsible for somebody else, a whole other human being. Um, good news can change everything. And we've talked about good news before. The term good news is where we get the word gospel from. Some of you probably knew that, but uh, as is the case with me, I always want to dig a little deeper. Really, where did this come from? So just so you know, the word good news. And as I go through this, some of these extra notes are actually in the notes on the church's app. If you download the church app, go to the notes section or the Bible app, uh, you can find that. But um, the term good news comes from the Anglo-Saxon word Godspell. I don't know if you knew that. The Anglo-Saxon word Godspell, and that means good story. Now, very interesting, that phrase, good story, comes from the Latin word uh, evan evangelium and the Greek word euangelion. Interesting, right? Sounds a lot like evangelism. But those words mean good news or good telling. 
So this gospel message, this good news, this good telling, this evangelium, what in the early church lit their fire that made them so excited to go and spread the good news of what they had just how good was this news it's interesting have you ever thought about that what is it that just got in their crawl to use a one of my grandparents words got in their crawl that just didn't let them go on without doing something about it it had to be something grand and exciting and something like Isaiah chapter 65 verse 19 starting there I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people the sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years the one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child the one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer while they are still speaking I will hear the wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat straw like the ox and dust will be the serpent's food they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain says the Lord I chose a passage out of the Old Testament for today because I'm reminded and remembering and what we've talked about that the New Testament wasn't written yet they were evangelizing giving the good news the good story based on things that they knew so just a quick recap I don't want to go through everything but we've been saying I need to say this we've been saying I've been saying God is a God of mission but I think I need to change that I think I should say that God's nature is mission because if we get this idea that God is a God of mission then we begin to think that God is and you'll understand as we go on, but we begin to think that mission is something that God does. But we should understand that mission is who God is. It is who he is. And so one of the things that got the Jews going was they knew and understood the story that they were part of. They knew that Jesus was, a, this was a decisive moment in their story that had been reached. We talked about redemption a little bit. If you look at the Bible story as a whole, we begin to see how God is at work redeeming all of creation. And then last week we talked about the new creation. Beyond the purging of judgment day, the destruction of everything evil that opposes God is the promise of a new heaven and a new earth, a new creation. We also talked a little bit about what God's purpose might be. That the biblical story is revealing God's purpose as the cosmic restoration of everything. It's pretty cool. Another way to describe salvation is recovery of the original shalom. Shalom meaning peace, but carrying a, a weight. There's a weight behind it. Shalom. It's, it's a full body, deep peace. I would, I would reckon 
that most of us here, if I said, have you ever experienced a true shalom, we'd say, probably not. Where you could actually sit in a time of peace without the weight of a decision or a problem or a circumstance leaning in on us. And then we talked a little bit about last week about what our part is. What is our part of this? Our mission is to participate in this grand story until he brings it to its guaranteed climax. That's our part. So today I want to talk a little bit. I'm going to start off with this. Uh, Missio Dei. We've, we've talked about it. I've mentioned the word every week. Missio Dei. I thought I would give a little background to this. Why are we talking about Where did that word even come from? So there's this group called the International Missionary Council. I don't know if you've heard about it. IMC, you probably have seen the IMC. Uh, it was formally established. I'm going to give a little history lesson here. It was formally established in 1921. And they brought together, they, they began to realize that we need a, 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 an organization or a, a bigger vision of what mission is. So they brought together various mission organizations for this IMC to uh, that could cooperate in evangelizing, which for them was synonymous with mission. That's part of where our idea, it's bred into our culture, that mission is evangelizing. It's, it's sending somebody, right? We have this idea, it's just baked into our culture. That's one of the things I'm trying to back us out of a little bit because mission should be who we are. If we're to be like God, where it's his nature. So, another thing that came from this was they distinguished between the Christian world and the non-Christian world. They made a distinction. So they created a, a, let me say this first as I go on. The IMC is a good organization. I'm just giving some history about where they came from, and we're going to talk about how they've changed over the years. But So they gave this Christian and non-Christian, which kind of set up an us-versus-them mentality, a we're Christians sending missionaries to the unchristian. Mission happens somewhere else in some other place. And at the time, it was, an, it was a great idea. It was noble. It was, we are sending missionaries to do the work to evangelize. And there are for sure other countries that, especially at the time, knew nothing about Jesus. They needed to know. So I'm not condemning it in any way. Then in 1928, they began to rethink some things. This was on the heels of World War I. And these Christian nations had spent some time trying to destroy each other. And the IMC looked and they said, well, what's going on? Christian nations trying to destroy each other kind of defeats the purpose of Christian and non-Christian. Wasn't very long later, you know your history, that World War II came and there was this other significant challenge of fascism and communism and, and rebuilding of countries. So the IMC changed their language now. They, they decided that they didn't like this language of Christian versus non-Christian. They recognized that it was setting up an us versus them. And in 1952, at an IMC conference, the shape of Missio Dei theology began to take shape. They decided the rationale for mission was found in the very nature of God. So, interesting, after 1952, after this conference, there's a guy named Carl Hartenstein who is credited with 
terming Missio Dei. That's where it came from. When you hear it, you know now that there was a a thing that happened and some history that went behind it and people struggling and wrestling with what does our faith look like and how are we going to do this and how are we going to reach people for Jesus? Like it's a, it's a real thing. We all go through it. That's how we came to Missio Dei. What is significant about this change in the idea of mission is that it moves us from finding our basis for mission. It moves us out of the church being the base of mission to God being the base of mission. It, at that time, this was significant because it was mission is found in the church and we're going to do mission for God. It, and some of that mindset we still have, I do. I try to not allow that because I, I need to understand. We need to grasp that God's nature is mission. And as I go through this today, uh, when I was preparing for this, I was like, man, some of this, don't get lost, okay? Uh, this will, there'll be a podcast too. If you need to listen again, go back and listen again. Watch the video again. We'll have it on the website this week. Um, this, is, this is really good. And there's gonna be a lot of teaching. So just hang on. The preaching will come at the back. I gotta set it up first, okay? This is some teaching here. So the church isn't what our mission strategy is based on. We understand mission based on the movement from God to the world not from the church to the world. Am I making sense? You picking up on that? Starting with Abram, we realize through Jesus that we are called to be God's covenant people. That's pretty cool. We're part of the covenant of God. And that carries with it the benefit of being recipients, uh, recipients, recipients of the covenant blessing. <laughs> it's amazing. Like I was reading this and, and as I'm reading and studying, I'm like, wow. Like I haven't considered that because Abram was the, the, who started it all. And God said, you'll be a blessing to all people, to all nations, to everybody. We're part of that blessing. We get to participate in that. It's, it's just incredible. But it comes with a purpose. Not blessing for the sake of blessing, but blessing to be a blessing to the world. To be a part of the nature of God who, that is mission. So what's our mission? Our mission, quite simply, is to participate in the mission of God. It all sounds fine and good, but what does that mean for us, for the church? How are we to participate in this mission? So glad you asked, because I got an answer. When it comes that our purpose is to be a, a mission organization, the first thing we probably think is that we need to go out and save some souls, right? I can still remember, I, um, when we moved to St. Louis, I was brand new, brand new at the church, and one of the very first things we did, somebody came to me and said, hey, I bought 20 tickets for this um, Dare to Share. This is what it was called, Dare to Share. You guys probably, might have probably remember that organization, Dare to Share, and I was like, I'm in. I mean, I want to share the gospel. I want to share the good news. We're going to tell people about Jesus. And uh, so we went to this conference, and it was a great conference, and it gave tools about how to share your faith with Jesus. But then they did something to us that just really took me out of my comfort zone, something I'm not great at. And they said, all right, now we want all of you guys with your youth groups or, you know, however that needs to work, if you didn't come with youth group, whatever. But get your groups together, and we're going to send you out right now to a neighborhood. <laughs> what that's crazy uh 
really? Okay. And they said, what we want you to do is knock on the door, and when somebody opens the door, you ask them this question. If you were to die today, do you know where you would go? And I was terrified, <laughs> just to be completely honest, because I had a group of 20 some teenagers and I'm taking around and we're knocking on doors random people I don't think we could even do that today uh, this was only in like what 06 07 05 somewhere in there so it wasn't that long ago but we're knocking on doors hey how you doing good to see you do you know if you die today <laughs> where you're going oh and by the way uh, we're collecting canned food for a uh, food drive so uh, that but I was all for it and I'm not condemning that. Please understand me. But I, when we go to evangelize people, which is crazy how it's all tied into the same word of gospel and good news. When we're sharing the good news with people, it's about so much more than that. Saving souls should not be our primary purpose. It is a purpose, but it's not primary. Also, our primary purpose is not to extend the influence of this temporary church. Our primary purpose is also not to plant new church communities. All those things are good, but that's not our primary purpose. Instead, our primary purpose has to be continual service to the mission of God in the world. What does that look like for you? That's our primary purpose. It's crazy that mission has its origin in the life of God. It's, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. That's a big can. It has its life in the, orig, in the origin of God. It's, it's, it's crazy. There's, there is mission because God loves. You understand that, right? And we say that God is love. Now, this is where I'm going to attempt to dive into something that I probably shouldn't and probably otherwise wouldn't if I wasn't talking about this. But we're going to talk about the Trinity. Mission comes from the nature of God. But to get into that, we have to understand God's nature. God's nature is love, right? We know that. We can read the scripture. God is love. That's what he is. Mission flows from the character of God. You know, we'd be remiss if we didn't consider the multifaceted, complex mission of God. I don't want to oversimplify it. Please, please understand. I don't want to oversimplify it. But all aspects of God's mission should be understood to flow from his love. All aspects. It flows from his love. It's, it's almost an oversimplification because God is multifaceted. He's amazing. He is at work doing mission because that's his nature all the time to us. When we say God is love, we're not simply making a statement about his feelings toward creation either. Like we, we can't understand it as that. Um, we're talking about something that is at the very core of who God is. We're talking about the nature of God. Have you ever, have you ever done a deep dive mentally or spiritually into the nature of God? Like we know he is love, but to, to get into that, we have to understand the Trinity, to understand his nature. And this is why it's, this is something, I'm gonna ask you to hang on for a minute. It's something that's kind of difficult to, to explain because it's not in the scripture. 
The word Trinity to describe God is not used in the scripture. But it comes out of solid teaching from early in the life of the church. They realized that to make God known, it would happen through the life and ministry of Jesus. And, and I wrote this down exactly. I'm going to read it to you. A quote that I found. It was a response to the challenge. The teaching of Trinity was a response to the challenge of reconciling the inherited commitment to the confession of the one God with the lordship of Jesus Christ and the experience of the Holy Spirit. Their struggle in the early church was people would think, so you worship many gods? No, no. It's just one God. Right? We understand that. And from the Old Testament scripture, God describes himself. He's, he's, he is the God. He is God. But now we have Jesus who is saying that he is the son of God. We also have the Holy Spirit. And they, they're trying to make sense about that. How do we reconcile that? So we understand that God is love, which is demonstrated through the life of Jesus and is communicated by the Holy Spirit. It's one way to try to wrap our minds around what this trinity is. Also, if we go back to the Old Testament, the, in Deuteronomy 6, 4, it says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If you just read it in English, it sounds pretty normal. But if you go deep into it, you realize that the phrase in Hebrew speaks of God in the plural sense. The Lord our God, the Lord, kind of has this plurality to it is one so even then they understood because also they were dealing with the Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of God that communicates his love to us you see it's, it's you understand why I said it's, it's a difficult thing to try to, to explain in this way they're by them trying to explain it this way we have God the Father, God the Son God the Holy Spirit but they are one because they all are the same God communicating different ways to us but we believe that God the Father is the Godhead his son Jesus Christ who is God and the Holy Spirit that communicates all things to us so it was in this way that they were continuing their tradition of worshiping one God but were able to explain that this one God is who re re uh, revealed himself through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus said, Father, as I am one in you, this is, this is another, I gotta stand right here for this. This is another crazy part. Understand this. Jesus said, as I am one with you, go read it in John. As I am one with you, make me one with them I'm paraphrasing he's, he's in like John 13 somewhere in there he's talking to the disciples it's the last supper he says as I am one in you and you are one in me make us one together and he so in other words he's inviting us to participate in this Trinitarian love that is God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit like he's inviting us into unity so this gives us a peek into the Trinity and the nature of God. But what about the character of God? How do we really know who God is? How do you know who anybody is? You know by the way they act. We can know who God is by knowing how God acts. God is as God acts. Like that's good. You should write that down. God is as God acts. So through the revelation of God and Jesus Christ, 
Jesus reveals who God is, right? Again, read John. John's amazing. John talks all about it. He reveals who God is. We encounter the living exposition of God's gracious character. Does that make sense? Through Jesus, we encounter the living God. We know who God is. We know how God acts by looking at Jesus. We also can dis discover through this that God is relational. God is relational because he exists in the Trinity. The very fact that Jesus existed, walked among us, gave himself up as a sacrifice for our sins, reveals the strong love that God has for his creation. You want to know God? Look at Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Gave himself up for us. I mean, we're like, yeah, yeah, we've heard that all the time. Well, think about this. When they slapped Jesus, he didn't slap them back. When they yanked the hair out of his beard, he didn't yank their hair back. When they hung him on a cross, he didn't return the favor. You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. This love that Jesus has shared between the Father and the Holy Spirit is the same love that he has for us. We want to know who God is. We look at the Trinity. He's relational and he's love. From beginning till now, the triune life of God has been characterized by love. Another way to understand the statement God is love is to realize that the eternal relational fellowship that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. So as we look at that and we understand God's nature and then God's nature is this relational love nature. It's, it's who he is. But his nature is mission. What do we do with that? We talk about God's mission in the world. We've been talking about the fact that God's nature is mission. But what does that mean exactly? This is what I mean. So now we're about to get into the preaching part, okay? Last week we talked, we, we said that God is at work redeeming all of creation. But what about his mission? The pattern of mission that's manifest in the world through the Son sent by the Spirit reveals the missional character of God. In other words, God as nature of, of mission whose character is love at the very core recognized that something needed to happen. And it started with Abram. And he knew, and we, we know from uh, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the word, the word was God. Jesus, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit all existed together in the beginning. So when God set this plan in motion with Abram, who became Abraham, 
who was to be a blessing to all people, realized in Jesus Christ. He knew at the beginning what it was going to cost him. He knew what was going to come out of this. But he did it anyway because his character is love. So love, we learn, is the central part of the mission of God. And how will God reach the world and let them experience his love? It's going to happen through the church. We are here to bear witness to the love of God for the world. That's our job. How do we participate in the mission of God? We bear the mission to the world. This, this idea of love, God comes to know, I mean, the world comes to know who God is by us showing them the love of God. Imitating the life and love of Jesus Christ. That's how people are going to know. But we talk about love and we know Jesus died on the cross and we know it was born out of love. We know his character is love and that his nature is mission. And we know all those things go together, but what does that do with salvation and reconciliation that we've talked so much about? When you love somebody or something so much, something has to come out of that, right? The, the cosmic redemption story doesn't just stop at the love of God. It's not just that we can tell people, hey, God loves you. This is where evangelism is born. The good news is not only does he love you, but he has set a plan that you can be saved and reconciled to him. In fact, all of creation is going to be reconciled and saved through God. We can't approach this from an individual perspective, like a, a Western thinking perspective. It's, it's viewed a lot of times as the redemption of a particular individual for a heavenly end. But that's not the plan here. This cosmic story that God is writing doesn't stop with, okay, now you can go to heaven. It's this redemption story. From beginning to end, the cosmic scope of mission is very adequately described by Beverly Gaventa. I don't know if you've heard of her, wrote a book, it's amazing. This is what she said. According to Paul in Romans, the mission of God involves the work of rescuing the whole world from the powers of sin and death so that a newly created humanity, Jew and Gentile, is released for the praise of God in community. Man, that's a lot. Let me read it again. The mission of God involves the work of rescuing the whole world from the powers of sin and death. So we're all rescued from sin and death. So, it does, see, it doesn't stop there. So that a newly created humanity, Jews and Gentiles, is released for the praise of God in the community. We have been saved so that we can be released for the praise of God in humanity. In other words, this is a reconciled group and, and this, this, is, this goes so deep and it's, it's so amazing. Racial reconciliation, ethnic reconciliation, all of us, we're called the church who participate in God's cosmic salvation of the world. 
<laughs> Did I just go too deep? <laughs> like Some of you are looking at me like, man, that's crazy. It's just, it's just, it really is kind of mind-blowing. This plan that God has put into effect, at the end of the day, as God's character is love and his nature is mission and, and out of that flows the, the salvation and reconciliation goals for humanity, it means we have to be one. It means that ethnic and racial and, uh, I don't know, character and those things just can't exist because we are one and it's our job to show the world who Christ is. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you came from or how much money you make or what neighborhood you live in or what race you are or what culture you came from. Like, we are one. Paul describes it like this. He says, there is neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek. Like, everybody is made one under Christ. Because how else is the world going to know the, the cosmic nature of what God wants to do provided by his love evidence in the trinity like it's crazy do you see how it's like this one big thing just begins to all come together so i'm going to try to not do mind-blowing this is the last part that we get to participate in the mission one interesting tidbit that comes out of the book of matthew now remember matthew was written the the gospel of matthew written primarily for a jewish audience right we know that so I've always been keen on John. You know that if you've been here anytime. I love John. And so there's all these little things hidden in John. I found something hidden in Matthew. Listen to this. Matthew's trying to show the story of Jesus is analogous to the story of Israel, right? Okay, let me give you, for instance, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the only gospel that shows Jesus teaching from a mountain. Did you know that? So it's reasonable to point out that in Matthew... Jesus is pictured as a new Moses, revealing God's will from a new Sinai. And Jesus is leading the people on a new exodus from a new Pharaoh into a new way of life. It could be that Matthew was trying to communicate that to the Jews that he was writing to. There's also a correlation between the Great Commission in Matthew if you go to Matthew 28, read that. And God's covenant with Abraham in Genesis. Draw that parallel. He says, go. I will make you a great nation so that you can be a blessing and all families on earth will be blessed. Matthew's trying to tell people that jury, uh, Jesus' story is a, intended to be as a continuation of Israel's story. With this common concern, the creation of a new community formed by God's love and committed to the establishment of that love on this earth so that we can bring about a new world. They had had time to process things whenever they wrote some of these gospels because in the beginning they didn't understand and Palm Sunday what they wanted and what they what they expected what they hoped to see was Jesus come riding in on a stallion with a sword and saying, now it's time to storm Jerusalem. We're going to take it back. We're going to destroy everything and reign supreme. But instead, on Palm Sunday, what they got was Jesus riding on a donkey. Now, culturally, a stallion signified war, and a donkey, it wasn't a lesser than. It was just, it signified peace. Peace. 
So Jesus came in saying, you know what? I'm just going to do something new. We're going to do this different. It's a new thing. It's peace. It's love. We're called not to just believe the gospel, not to just believe in Jesus, but to become the gospel. So how do we participate in the mission of God? And see, I don't even like saying it like that. Like, how do we participate in mission? God's nature is mission. It is who he is. It, it comes out of him because he is love, and that love just can't help but be mission. So how do we participate in that? We have been called to become the gospel. We are to become the good news, the evangelium. We are the good news. When people want to know who Jesus is, they look at us. Who is Jesus? Wow. Like that's weighty. Because we like to say, I'm just human. I'm going to make a mistake. Don't follow me. I like the way Paul says it. He says, hey, I'm, I'm pursuing Christ, so follow me. <laughs> Listen, we, we're going to make mistakes, but we are the gospel. People will know who Jesus is because of us, the way we live, the way we speak, the actions that we take, the people that we talk to and don't talk to. Is there discrimination in our hearts? Is there anger in our hearts? Is there, it comes out in our actions. We are to become the gospel and God's mission in the world. Isn't that crazy? Gospel is mission. Wow. And we're lucky enough to be a part of a church who does mission everywhere here in this building across the street Easter egg hunt Sunday in West Africa <laughs> I said that wrong we're not having an Easter egg hunt in West Africa just so you know <laughs> but the video we showed at the beginning like it's, it's crazy we so I want our mindset to be not I want as the pastor this is what I do want I hope this for us to come in alignment with who God is, to become the gospel, so that we become mission, so that our nation, uh, nature is mission. Man, that's crazy. There's a deep call on our lives. And it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a waiter or an oil field worker or a nurse. Like, it just doesn't matter. Our call is all the same. God doesn't distinguish what our call is. So my hope for us, and this is it, that we will become mission, become the gospel, and reach people for Jesus and help them understand that out of his love flows a cosmic renewal. And there is salvation, and there is peace, and there is his kingdom, and it's waiting for us. Let's pray. God, 
again this morning I'm so blown away by as I just as I as I read all these things and I study all these things and I see what you've done in us and for us that your nature is mission that you share your who you are as love is evidence in your relational um, trinitarian self and then out of that flows mission just who you are and then you have called us to come into alignment with you Jesus even prayed as as he and the father were one so may we be one and that people may know who you are because we are so unified here so I thank you I pray that you would uh, be with us and help us to as we think through this week what Jesus did where he came from what's going on in his life this last week of his life before he was um, crucified on Friday and raised again on Sunday just may we reflect on that this week and realize that that was the next step and we're living in that time of this cosmic renewal so thank you bless each person in Jesus name I pray amen amen thank you guys all what a tremendous time for us together today I do want to remind you that uh, next Sunday if you were going to participate in the mortgage payoff uh, I actually had quite a good response a lot of people have talked to me about that um, and have plans on um, paying down towards that just to remind you it was I went to somebody talked to somebody a friend of the church and they said they would for our $120,000 pay down said they would match two for one every one of our dollars they're going to give two so if we come up with 40,000 they're going to give the 80 that pays off the mortgage the board said they would give 30 which a lot of that has already come in they wanted to lead the way in that so um, and then any extra that comes in is going to get another air conditioner (laughs) so uh, anyway um, if you're going to participate in that we really need those by next week just so we just want to be done with it God thank you for what you've done and we'll have a big celebration for that and then also on your way out there are some Easter egg hunt sign up sheets if you want to uh, sign up with a pen and paper and skip the sign up genius you can do that as well Uh, we just want to make sure we have enough people we are expecting at least a thousand people next week it's going to be a lot 10,000 eggs there's a lot of stuff going on you we we have a, a great plan uh, thanks to uh, Amy Owen and um, Shannon and so, Jessica, the, some of the others that have been involved in that. So anyway, God bless you guys. I hope you have a great week. And we will see you back here next week for Easter Sunday. No.